they've got to, Japan's got to make a decision about whether to go ahead with the Tokyo Olympics next year. Exactly. And public approval ratings have turned against the Olympics. I mean, more than 50% now of people in Tokyo believe that it's better just to give up and move on because it's going to cost 3 to $6 billion at least just to basically maintain the Olympic Games next year. And I think a lot of folks figure, why spend all that money? Why put all that time and energy into Olympic, you know, an Olympic Games that you know, basically will come and go and Japan mm. still has its existing problems. And I think the election in the U.S. is going to be a big problem for Abe because, again, Abe is really Trump's only reliable friend in the world at this point. And it's not really a great place for Japan to be when you think about how, uh, how Trump is dealing with China, how Trump is dealing with COVID. Uh, Trump's foreign policy in general is incredibly belligerent and getting worse and arguably going to get worse as Trump mm. gets desperate to get reelected. So it's not a great place for Japan to be. William, always a pleasure to talk to you. That's Tokyo-based journalist and author William Pesic. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the markets, first of all, in Japan, the Nikkei 225 is up one and three quarter percent right now. The ASX 200 in Australia doing even better. That's up about 2.1%. Over in South Korea, the Cosby is up one and a half percent and looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 160 points or so at the open in an hour's time. In the commodities markets, gold is a little bit weaker now at $1,771 an ounce and Brent crude oil also slipping, trading at $41.54 a barrel. Thank you very much for listening today. There's no programme tomorrow, as, as it's a public holiday. Money Talk will return on Thursday with Andrew Work in the chair for the rest of this week. I'll be back on Monday. Do stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong after the news. The weather forecast for today, mainly fine and very hot with isolated showers. Maximum temperature is going to be about 33 degrees. A few showers in the next few days and sunny intervals tomorrow. And it's 30 degrees right now, 78% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has called on China to immediately end the reported sterilization of Uyghur women in Xinjiang. China has said allegations that it's been trying to reduce the Uyghur population by coerced contraception and sterilization are baseless. The claims were made by a German researcher, Adrian Zenz, after trawling Chinese government data on the Internet. My research has uncovered a campaign of preventing births from taking place, which um, is using different tools to coercively induce women to accept birth prevention surgery. Women who fail to comply with birth control policies or have done so in the past are liable to be put into internment camps and government documents are very blunt about all this. The World Health Organization has warned that the coronavirus pandemic is far from over and the worst may be yet to come. The head of the agency, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, said despite progress in some countries, the pandemic was still accelerating and that countries will have to work harder. If the government can do its best in testing, contact tracing, isolating, quarantining cases like what South Korea did and if the communities, not only the government, but in addition to the government, the communities take their responsibility of doing what's expected of them, starting from hand hygiene to the rest that can be done personally, this virus can be suppressed. 
Four sacked American police officers accused of killing last month an African-American man, George Floyd, have made their second court appearance. Derek Chauvin is charged with second-degree murder after pressing his knee into Mr Floyd's neck for nearly eight minutes. The three other officers are charged with aiding and abetting him. Here's the BBC's Nada Torfik. All four men appeared separately and did not enter pleas. The hearing on Monday largely dealt with how the trial would be handled. Hennepin County Judge Peter Cahill chastised public officials and attorneys who have discussed the case publicly. He said if such statements continued, he would likely pull the trial out of Minneapolis if requested. Defense attorneys for the former officers have argued that comments from local officials, including the police chief who called Mr. Floyd's death murder, have already prejudiced potential jurors. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today is Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. It's widely expected that the national security legislation will take effect at midnight today. The law has been kept secret from everyone it's going to affect. And there's a lot of speculation about its content. But the Secretary for the Civil Service, Patrick Nipp, said Beijing's decision to impose it shows the country's love and care for the SAR, as the legislation will ensure long-term stability and strengthen one country, two systems. Secretary for Constitutional and Mainland Affairs said at the weekend, as Chinese, we should all work hard for the country and for the Chinese race, so that we will go down in history as being the generation of people who contributed to the country's remarkable accomplishments. Are you looking forward to freedom from anarchy, fear and foreign influence? Or is it a gun to the head of Hong Kong people? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk. Or you can give us a call, and our telephone number is 233-88266. is the number. Joining us for the first part of the programme now, we have uh, Ho Lok Sang, a Senior Research Fellow in the Pan Sutong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute at Lingnan University. Uh, later, we're going to be joined by uh, Kwok Ka Civic Party uh, legislator, and uh, Johnny Ma from the, from the Bar Association. Before we get into the discussion today, uh, quite a few uh, emails uh, I'd like to uh, share with you first from uh, listeners. Okay, reflecting on yesterday's uh, programme, uh, Herman says this morning's performance by Benedict Rogers was most entertaining, especially after he was forced to admit that Boris Johnson's offer to take in three million Hong Kong people is not what it's cracked up to be, and the UK doesn't have the space nor the tolerance for an invasion of Asian immigrants. Pity he didn't delve more into the details, but if BNO holders here want to go to the UK and spend five years hoping to get citizenship, assuming they can even pass the initial thresholds, then they should all go there, enjoy life with all manner of racist Britons, and never return here. Despite their undoubted over inflated opinion of themselves, they will discover that they, like RTHK, are replaceable. Though I must admit I will be happy to listen to music on RTHK this Wednesday instead of having to endure the usual boring July the 1st handover anniversary show. I think that refers to... I'm not sure if that refers to the programme, the uh, Backchat programme we, we usually do. Uh, okay, uh, Andrew F says, uh, this is a question for Mark Simon, who's uh, not here, but I'll, I'll air the point anyway. Uh, to Mark Simon's point, if Chris Tang, that's the Commissioner of Police, shouldn't be allowed to travel the world because he oversaw the arrest of protesters breaking the law, then why should his hero, Agent Orange, I think that's Donald Trump, be allowed to, would be allowed to when he used tear gas and rubber bullets to clear peaceful protesters just so he could do a photo op with an 
upside-down Bible. Uh, Peter says, instead of criticising and pressurising China and Hong Kong at every turn on its internal affairs, someone might want to remind Boris Johnson and Chris Patton that the UK just quietly rejected an International Court of Justice ruling to end its illegal colonial occupation of the Chagos Islands and to return the archipelago back to Mauritius. The plight of the Chagossian people is widely recognised as a major low point in recent British history after they were forcibly exiled from their island home by the UK government in the 60s and 70s. They've been refused from returning to their home with a land on the largest island, Diego Garcia, now used as a military base, US military base. That's how I have come to know the West. Zero credibility, lies, hypocrisy, double standards and acts of war all round under the false pretense of democracy and freedom whenever it fits their own agenda. That comes from Peter. And uh, the uh, Kim and uh, Bowen uh, correspondence goes on. I'm sorry if I haven't quite... Um, uh, coordinated it. Uh, they're slightly out of step. But anyway, this here's a couple of uh, interesting messages. First of all, from Kim, uh, who says, thank you for reading out my previous messages, as well as Mr. Bowen's. Uh, uh, again, I stress that Mr. Bowen, uh, once again, Bowen, I should point out, is a, is a first name, not a, not a family name. So it's a little bit misleading to talk about Mr. Bowen. Anyway, uh, Mr. Bowen is entitled to his own views, as are all listeners. My own understanding of a basic core value of Hong Kong society, as a locally born uh, Hong Kong Chinese person, is that we live in a civilised society that values the rule of law and the rights of others as well as our own. In every society in the West or elsewhere, there are always people who oppose how the place is governed. Anti-government activists have been airing their views non-stop, seeking foreign funding for their activities for 23 years since 1997. And that's testimony to the tolerance of the Hong Kong government. Some people also broke the one country, two systems promise of respecting one country and engaged in anti-China activities, seeking foreign governments to hurt Hong Kong officials and economy and ultimately hurt Hong Kong business and citizens. They've said it many times and expressed it on the banners they waved on live TV, revolution, death to CCP, etc., etc. What authority do they have to decide on the fate of billions of Hong Kong people? What makes them better than people in mainland China who have made astonishing achievements because they want to show that they're on the side of Western governments who they worship as superior in every way so they do everything on the ground to facilitate Western intervention in the old-fashioned colonial way by demonising anything Chinese, evoking Victorian-era US-China Exclusion Act-era yellow peril anti-Chinese propaganda. As soon as these people try to hijack majority views by either participating in or condoning acts of violence by protesters against innocent people, including the elderly and women, I felt disgusted by the abuse of freedoms the society had enjoyed. Not one single member of the pan-democrats or activists has tried to urge radicals to stop using violence. The safety of your fellow citizens didn't count, their rights didn't count, as long as these selfish people could vent their own anger. Yet some of them have no courage to face our judicial system, to face consequences for their action, jumping bail or begging for foreign passports. I hope that Britain and the US would take in all of these selfish individuals because they will make such fine citizens. I do not agree with the attempt to create various classes of Chinese people those who dislike and oppose the Chinese and or Hong Kong governments versus those who accept them. And so those who don't join the anti-government people are not deserving of their human rights to safety, the right to operate their business and go to school in peace. You can fight for your rights in legal and peaceful manners without hijacking my views, without infringing upon my rights, without defaming Chinese people. If you can't do that, you will be a huge problem you were a huge problem trying to claim those freedoms you want. That comes from Kim. And uh, Bowen says, uh, Dear Backchat, 
uh, who I am is not important. What is important is my analysis. Uh, people like Kim just focus on the identity of their interlocutors without paying any attention to their interlocutors' arguments. What inevitably follows is therefore just a series of personal attacks and reckless claims that the arguments are not shared by anyone else without being able to provide any proof, of course. Kim seems unable to disting even to distinguish an analysis from an opinion poll and political leadership. What I did was to provide my analysis of the social contracts in Hong Kong based on my knowledge of history and people, not to claim what I say is endorsed by millions of people because of some opinion poll or survey I've done, still less to claim that I represent them because that would make me a politician, which I have no interest to be. Hugh misrepresented my identity yesterday. I am a Canadian Huaren. I have lived in Hong Kong for long periods of my life, having also spent very many years working and studying in North America and Europe. I contribute to Backchat because of my love for the uniqueness of Hong Kong and its people. I underwent uh, thorough decolonization some 30 years ago while living in North America, and I do not like colonialism, despite the benefits it sometimes brings, as in the case of Hong Kong. Because Kim is so obsessed with people's identity rather than arguments, he or she has drawn from his or her perception of my ethnicity the mistaken belief that I am in favour of colonialism. That is a perfect example of something I raised in a recent message on racism. It blurs our thinking about others because it's extremely easy for us to misjudge others by our perception of their race. I also hope racism has not also blurred Kim's thinking about him or herself because racism is a double-edged sword. That comes uh, from Bowen. Thank you very much in indeed for that. Uh, and finally... Uh, Bruce says, I posted the following message to my Facebook friends. Hello, my Facebook family. Yesterday I posted that Hong Kong was not a great city anymore, but I'm not sure if you were following the national security laws being imposed on Hong Kong by Beijing. If interested, please Google and read. There is much in print. If you have any questions or comments, please share. I will let you form your own opinion. I'm not going to judge the laws which will be implemented Tuesday, June the 30th, the process that was used, and some have talked about articles such as people being prosecuted for crimes committed before the law was enacted. The Chief executive of Hong Kong, not elected by the people of Hong Kong, will be able to appoint certain judges to certain cases and that people can be taken to China for trial and jail trouble me. How to respond, you ask? My suggestion, whenever possible, please do not buy or purchase made-in-China products of any kind. Please do best you can. If anyone does a little, it will speak loudly. Please share this message with as many people as possible. I don't believe in independence for Hong Kong, but to allow people to elect their own chief executive who is accountable to the people of Hong Kong and also must work with and be accountable to the central government in Beijing. Thanks, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. That comes from Bruce. Thank you very much indeed. Ada. Yes, with us is Professor Holoksan. Good morning, Professor Good morning, Ho. Um, we're expecting the national security legislation to take effect um, tomorrow or later today. Uh, but up to now, only a handful of the National People Congress uh, delegates have seen the draft. And uh, I was, I heard that even the chief executive has not seen the draft of the legislation so far. Uh, but this legislation does have far-reaching consequences for Hong Kong. So my first question is, what, what, what do you think of the legislative process so far? Well, um, I understand uh, why there's this uh, uh, secretiveness uh, uh, in the process, uh, because uh, a lot of the materials are bound to be quite sensitive, and uh, I'm pretty sure they do not want to um, uh, incite uh, uh, um, you know, um, start some 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 kind of uh, um, uh, 
trouble? Protests and trouble and riots and that kind of uh, 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 disruptions in social order. And so um, they keep it until it became law. And then there's, uh, um, I believe that they, they hope that the contents of the law will uh, by, by themselves uh, um, deter some of those activities. But, but this is a very important piece of legislation, and we are now yes, hearing yes, that I, life I, I sentence, life sentences and, uh, and, would apply and you to the, you all four of the crimes. Yeah, you can see the contrast uh, 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 with the uh, legislation that was proposed uh, in 2003. At that time, the process was entirely transparent, but then uh, even though it was entirely transparent, a lot of those people opposed it. Uh, didn't really uh, take a good look at the contents. You see, for example, um, in that particular uh, piece of legislation, I understand uh, there was a jury, okay, that was part of, part, part of the um, uh, changes that was uh, uh, inserted into the uh, bill uh, upon some, some consultation. And uh, so uh, it is quite clear that uh, uh, this national security law that is going to take effect uh, probably to, most probably tomorrow um, is going to be much more stringent than it, what it was you know in 2003 but then it is uh, uh, the, the effect of, uh, of all of these uh, unwanted uh, 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 disruption to social peace and social order uh, that has uh, taken place uh, since uh, 2014 2013 2014 you see so so I think uh, um, uh, these protests were actually forcing Beijing's hands, so to speak, and it's quite unfortunate. I, I don't want to see that, you know, but, uh, but I think this is the, the result that, that, that has been uh, forced you know, by the opposition. All right. Um, here's here's an email. This is this is from Oliver, and perhaps Herlock Sang, you could you could kind of address all Oliver or reassure Oliver, uh, because Oliver's worried. Well, uh, he says, uh, assuming the national security law is implemented the same way as on the mainland, it will be an absolute travesty and utter disaster for Hong Kong. I lived on the mainland before, know the reality of the Chinese justice system, open bribery in police stations, convicted prisoners paying others to complete their sentences, lawyers jailed for practicing, the world's largest execution rate with a 99% conviction rate, all the while with no oversight from a free media. To say this will be good for Hong Kong is a dangerous delusion. The UK government should expel the Chinese ambassador to the UK tomorrow for breaking the joint declaration and, along with the rest of the world, start holding the CCP to account for its actions. Totalitarian dictatorships based on ethno-nationalism have no place in the civilised world, and President Xi should be made to understand this in every dealing he has with the outside world. In mourning for the greatest city in Asia, that comes uh, from Oliver. Professor Ho, can you make Oliver feel yes, better? Yes, I want to make two points uh, regarding Oliver's comment. First of all, um, the, the rule of law on the mainland is not as bad as is portrayed here. Um, if you look at uh, the World Justice Project uh, uh, Rule of Law Index, even though the overall Rule of Law Index is not high, it is uh, relatively low, but if you look at the components, um, um, in particular, I want to point to three components. One is uh, civil justice, one is criminal justice, and the other one is absence of corruption. All of these, on all of these dimensions, uh, actually, uh, China's ranking among the 128 countries or, or jurisdictions listed, uh, China ranks 
at median or better. Sorry, who is this? Sorry, sorry, I missed that. Who was this doing this ranking? Uh, this is World Justice Project. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a very famous. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I've read uh, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And um, uh, the, rule, the overall rule of all index is, is low, and that was because uh, uh, China ranked very badly in fundamental rights and uh, constraints on government power. Yeah, especially, but, uh, especially. Could I? Yeah, I mean, especially constraints on government power. Essentially, it said there is no constraint on on government power. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the point I want to make. Mm. You see, actually, there are uh, very uh, serious constraints on on government power, but that uh, constraints are internally imposed, and that is why it is. You mean within for, the government? For, for China? No, no, no. no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You say. Yeah. That's the point, isn't it? They're imposed within the government. That's not a constraint. There is no external. There is no independent media. There is no independent court system. Yeah, that, Everything that is serves that I've the been party. For all, all along. But, yeah. but, but we must not discount the fact that, uh, uh, that these internal disciplines and uh, culture, you see, they have a culture of service to the people to the extent, to the extent that I, I want to point to the, uh, another survey result that was just announced a few days ago. And that was uh, about uh, uh, which country is more democratic. And it's, uh, it, it is quite surprising that China was considered much more uh, uh, democratic than the United States. But by who? And, and the, who did this? And, and the so-called uh, um, uh, democracy deficit is huge in the United States. Who, who, okay? who, and, who did this? Sorry, no, sorry, sorry. Hang on, hang on. There's no deficit in China. Can, you know? can I have a footnote and, here? Who, who was the, sorry, who did this survey? Who, who did this uh Evaluation well, uh, I, I forgot the name of the, of the company. Uh, it's, got, it's a consulting company, but you can uh, uh, easily check and uh, look it up. You know, you, you look up for uh, democracy deficit. Okay. okay. And perception of, uh, there was this uh, perception of democracy uh, and uh, uh, the, the actual uh, ranking. You see, a lot of people thought that it's supposed to be democratic, but why is it perceived not to be democratic, you see? So, 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 so Professor so Ho, um, from your point of view, uh, there's nothing to worry about. Um, not even, I don't worry about not, it, not, not even, you know, there, are, there will be some scenarios uh, under which Beijing could assert jurisdiction over national security cases in Hong Kong. Now, we are not sure which scenarios uh, those will be, uh, but, um, you know, this is a very serious matter. Yes, I... Yes, uh, that's the second point I wanted to point out uh, regarding Oliver's uh, uh, comments. Uh, he was uh, worried that uh, um, what's uh, imposed on Hong Kong is going to be the same as that on the mainland. But uh, it is quite clear that this uh, national security law is not the, the, the national security law on the mainland. It's not the same. Okay, it's a national security law specially designed for Hong Kong, and that takes into account Hong Kong's uh, common law tradition and also uh, the, the the various uh, um, um, uh, agreements that we have signed, you know, the International uh, Bill of Rights and so on. You, you see, all of these things have to be considered, you see, because there's the basic law that protects Hong Kong's freedom of speech and so on. You see, so, so it's not... Uh, um, uh, imposing uh, the mainland system on Hong Kong. The, the one country, two system is still alive. Um, so, so, so uh, why, why are you so sure? Because uh, nobody has read the draft of the law. I haven't read the draft of the law, obviously. Uh, but uh, from, from uh, as I said, I, 
I have uh, been uh, watching uh, China's uh, performance over the years, and I've been criticizing certain things on, on China, and I also have applauded a lot of things that uh, China has done. And so um, I consider myself to be a, 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 an objective observer of what's uh, going on, on on the mainland. And my reading, as confirmed you know, by, by those surveys that I've mentioned, is that you know, the, the CCP is not, is not totalitarian to the extent of being selfish and trying to uh, uh, benefit themselves. You see, it is trying to do all its best with the, so, uh, with the unitary leadership to improve uh, China people's well-being. And you can see that, you know, uh, in the big improvement in the, in, uh, in the economy and the social safety net and uh, alleviation of poverty, environmental and, uh, and ecological preservation, and so on and so forth. Lots of things. And China's commitment to uh, uh, not to intervene in other countries' uh, uh, affairs and uh, to, to, to support the UN's uh, peace mission and so on. A lot of these things can, uh, can, uh, are all objective. We have to see the, the, the facts, and we do not, should not be a slave to our uh, perceptions. Some of these perceptions may have been affected you know, by a biased uh, 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 media. Okay, yeah, on, on the question of uh, perceptions, actually, I think you were referring earlier to the, the Democracy Perception uh, Index, uh, yeah, yeah, which was right. produced by a Danish uh, non-profit called Alliance for Democracies, which basically asks people in, in, in countries around the world how, de how democratic they think their own country is and how important right, they right, think right. they are. Right. Uh, and what they, what they seem right. to say is that people living in democracies don't think that, don't think that their countries are very democratic. They are sceptical exactly. about, the de about, the, uh, about how democratic their countries are. So it's a question of perceptions. It's a question of how they feel exactly, about exactly. Their, yeah, their countries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this, this, per this perception, uh, uh, of course, is very much affected by uh, how the government has performed over um, uh, um, the dimensions that uh, matter you know, to the well-being of these people. You see, <coughs> uh, um, the, the big improvement is quite, quite clear. You know, if you look at the Human Development Index, the progress is just tremendous, you see, o over the last 40 years. So, so we, we shouldn't consider China to be, to be totalitarian and uh, a, a place to be uh, um, avoided. You see, a lot, lots of uh, foreigners are living in, on the mainland. I think, and, I think and when they, they say totalitarian... They, home there. they mm. have a choice you know, to, to stay in the United States and elsewhere, you know, but they have chosen to stay there. Mm. When it comes to being totalitarian, I think that there isn't that exactly the point made by the World Justice Project, that there is no check and balance? There is yeah, no outside is, yeah, to the party? Yeah, that is something that I, have, um, I, I, I myself have criticised. Mm. You see, I have been asking for uh, greater sure. freedom of, of, of the press, but, uh, freedom of the press. But, but and, the re and that's the reality at the moment, isn't it? That's the reality, the reality at the moment. Is that, uh, it, yes, I've been, say, I've been saying that uh, Beijing has... But, well, has, well you know, in that, as I say, in that sense, it is authoritarian, and that's what worries yeah, Hong they, Kong people. The, the, the point is that, uh, and you can understand why, why it is so, uh, so allergic to, 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 to these things, and uh, that is because... Uh, China is aware of the fact that you know there there have been so-called color revolutions that have been engineered you know by by United States and and, and other foreign countries. Okay, and, and, and also a lot of people are, are saying that unitary leadership is just not the, 
but but on the point of transparency, Professor Ho. Multi-party politics is democracy. On the point of transparency, we now we will have a law uh, with um, you know life sentence, life imprisonment. Um, that, does that yeah. worry you? Yeah, that that is uh, uh, unfortunately that's a reality that is also practiced in uh, in, in the United States and elsewhere. Okay. So, uh, uh, we had another story. Can I just squeeze in? Sorry, because we haven't got much time. Just another related question from Patrick oh. in an email who says, this is a question for you directly, Herlock Sang. If the national security law contains the death penalty, will he support it? Um, I, don't think, uh, I don't think Hong Kong is going to implement the, the, the death penalty. Uh, and, um, and I think uh, Beijing will uh, uh, respect Hong Kong's tradition you know, that has been in place uh, for decades already. You know, Hong Kong used to have the death penalty, uh, but, but that was dec- decades ago. So, so I, I'm pretty sure... Uh, there was not- some speculation that, that people who were extradited to, uh, for trial in, in, in the mainland, as can happen, we, we, uh, as far as we know... I, I have confidence that the, that, that the death penalty will be uh, spared. And uh, you, you can see that, uh, for example, uh, this uh, uh, Mr. Lai, uh, you know, from, from uh, the, the Canadian fugitive who was expatri- uh, uh, extradited to, to, the, to Beijing and, and China promised not to impose the death penalty, and he is still alive. Okay, well, look, Sung, once again, thank you very much indeed for joining us. So we look forward to speaking to you in the future. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Kok Kao Ki and uh, Johnny Ma from the Bar Association joining us after the news at nine. Uh, please uh, chip in, give us a call, 233-88266. Spare my voice, reading out the emails. Uh, the weather, mainly fine and very hot today with some isolated showers and the very hot weather warning in place now. Temperatures today up to about 33 degrees and the outlook a few showers in the next few days. And then sunny intervals uh, for tomorrow. The readings at the moment, 30 Celsius, and the relative humidity is at 78%. Decision is best for their safety, but he did say to me he has no problem with masks and to do whatever your local jurisdiction requests of you. Mr Trump has been coming under growing pressure to mandate the wearing of masks as the number of infections in the US increases. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Tuesday morning with uh, Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chewett, and we're talking about aspects of the national security legislation, which is forthcoming. We're joined now by Dr. Kwok Kaki, who's a, a lawmaker with the Civic Party, and Johnny Ma, council member of the Hong Kong Bar Association, as ever. Uh, this is a discussion programme. We want uh, you to contribute. You can call us on 233-88266 and join the conversation. Uh, or you can comment on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, or you can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, just in case you're interested. Uh, Hotlock Sang in the first part of the programme was referring to this uh, to a survey uh, that was carried out by the uh, uh, Alliance for Democracies, a Danish non-profit, uh, the 2020 Democracy Perception uh, Index Survey, which is uh, kind of interesting. Um, and for example, and it's a sort of international comparison of how uh, how pe- how many people think that their country is democratic, and the percentage who say that democracy uh, is uh, important. Uh, yeah, and so uh, and also kind of the gap between those two, which is. Uh, 
which is telling. Um, yeah, so you have a look at that. If you Google that, you can uh, make your own conclusions from the research. Um, some other emails related. Alonso says, what have the anti-government protests which began over a year ago achieved? This is a question you should be put to the pandem leaders you invite on Backchat. Consider the following. Are we any closer to universal suffrage? Certainly not. The soon-to-be implemented national security law and expectations that it could curtail some individual rights would probably have never been implemented if the violent protests had never occurred. Three, the protests severely hit the local economy, especially the retail and hospitality sectors, which are among Hong Kong's largest employers. Four, America's decision to scrap Hong Kong's special trading status is a direct consequence of the protests. Five, Hong Kong is a more divided society than one year ago. The one positive outcome from last year's peaceful marches is that they forced the Lamb administration to scrap the extradition bill. But the irony is that the subsequent months of violent protests have left us now with a national security law, which, if some media reports are to be believed, could see some individuals extradited to China for trial for breaking certain security laws. The massive turnouts at last summer's peaceful marches and the pandemic success in last year's DC elections show that most Hong Kong Hong Kongers support a peaceful push for universal suffrage. However, the manner in which the movement morphed into months of violence and anti-China rhetoric has left us in our current position, facing the national security law and with a significantly weakened economy. With the benefit of 2020 hindsight, would pandem leaders have done things differently? I suspect so. That comes from Lonzo. Maybe we'll put that directly to, to Kwok Karki. Dr Kwok, good morning to you. Morning to you. Would you have done things differently? <laughs> uh, I want to ask the question, who put the extradition amendment bill first? It was the SAR government. I don't know who is planning them to do so, but it is against most of the people of Hong Kong. They never done a, a proper consultation, even... Without consultation, people on on uh, on the whole actually uh, express their worry about the extradition bills, particularly those coming from the commercial sectors, from the property tycoon. They all have the same voice as the majority of the people. That means the Democrats. And but you know the outcome is the government ignore all the demands of uh, taking out the bills. And at the end of the day, you know they use the police violence. To uh, hoping by using a violence and tackle the, the opinion of the people and uh, you know the wills of the people, it turned out to be unable to do so. And instead of trying to solve the root problem in Hong Kong, that was without democracy, without properly looking into the interests and the wills of people of Hong Kong, the Communist Party take it further to have these so-called national uh, security bills. I don't see you know this kind of uh, uh, setting up the bills or whatever they are doing is actually, you know, uh, addressing the core issue of the wood problem in Hong Kong. In fact, they are actually promoting more discontent and mistrust to the SAR and the Chinese government. And what does it help to achieve the so-called one country, two system? How does it help to help Hong Kong to recover from the poor, poor economic performance? I don't think that would, that would be achieved. So on the whole, People in Hong Kong is rather uh, passive over the years. Of, of course, we are hoping that we may have uh, one fine day to have the democracy. But, you know, we, we are still, most of us are very um, peaceful and hoping that the central Chinese government at the end of the day will, you know, what uh, can honor their promise in the basic law that keeping Hong Kong... But there's nothing passive about about 
making bombs. There's nothing passive about waving independence flags or going to another country and asking for sanctions to be put on your 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 own your own home. Um, these things overstepped the mark. Those were the things which goaded, and there was a lot of warning. There was fair warning from Beijing, who said, "Look, this is you have crossed. You are crossing these lines, and you will have to live with the consequences." Well, here are the consequences. No, but you need to look. At, you look at the whole situation. You know, last year before this so-called, uh, you know, police violence has been implemented. On the whole, people in Hong Kong is very, very peaceful. They're actually not doing anything to you know, promote what you have mentioned, you know, more violence. In fact, you know, people trying to uh, use whatever way to convince the government that, you know, please take out the extradition bills as soon as possible and, you know, not to put more young people into jail. You know, nowadays, six, more than 600 people is actually being prosecuted with this uh, wild, uh, um, you know, uh, this, um, uh, this kind of uh, punishment, and they are facing very heavy sentencing in, uh, in Hong Kong. And all this is actually not being done by the people in Hong Kong. They wanted to have the, their rights being addressed. If at the early, at the very beginning, the government didn't do anything, you know, to ignore the wills of people of Hong Kong, if they really know and try to understand the people is thinking about, you know, how about uh, uh, taking away the amendment bills, we would not end in the you know, the, those stages like this. We are not actually the one who start the so-called violence. If you look in, I was actually seeing a lot of police violence on the street. They hit, you know, a lot of protesters with their, you know, sticks, uh, bullets, uh, whatever, the, the rubber bullets, you know, the tear gas. You know, a lot of people is, has been injured. We have people uh, blinded at least one eye by this uh, rubber bullet. We have seen people... Um, you know, somehow killed. I don't know why, you know, the, the, the student of the Hong Kong USD. A lot of um, very bad um, outcome has been, com uh, has been you know, uh, accompanying the so-called extradition bills. And we are not the ones who are trying to take, take out this so-called this saga. It was the government. It was the Kerry Lamb and those Beijing government behind the SAR government trying to, you know, do whatever... Uh, they wanted to do, ignoring the wills and the and the wills of the people of Hong Kong. And and why at the end of the day we need to shoulder all this. I'm not saying that you know young people is doing all the things right, but we you know as those having the power, they have thirty some thirty odd uh, thousands police with a lot of heavy weapons. So on hand. yeah, they should be the one who look into how to address the issue. You know, it is very easy if you. Go back to the core issue, the root problem is the lack of democracy, lack of a uh, um, reasonable democratic system to elect the CE and also the Legislative Council, resulting a lot of dismay and discontent between the people of Hong Kong, but particularly the young people. And we need to take this seriously and not to, you know, go ahead and put forward those mm. The Peace Amendment Bill, uh, the, the National Security Bill, it doesn't help at all. Uh, Dr. Kwok, so w whether you like it or not, uh, this National Security Law will be passed today uh, and will take effect from tomorrow onwards. Uh, what would you do differently and what do you think will be different from tomorrow onwards? Um, you know, as a legislator, what I've been done in the past and perhaps in the future is trying to voice out what 
we need to speak for the people of Hong Kong, no matter the legislation has been here or not. I would say this is something, it's a draconian law. It is not actually helping Hong Kong to solve the, the problem. That is, I would, uh, you know, insist on saying that. And I would also advise the people trying to, you know, uh, protect themselves and not to be take this, uh, you know, lightly because, you know, we are talking about a lot of people, offices, you know, uh, secret police coming from mainland. They they can do whatever they can. Just, you know, they want to go back to the very back colonial time. They have the white heart to which can take people inside. Uh, they try to hit people, in uh, assault the people trying to get whatever they want. I think we are going back to the black stage, uh, which is very unfortunate. Um, but I want, I still insist to speak what the people in Hong Kong thinking about, and I would insist. Uh, you know, I'm doing my duty as a legislator. I want to help those young people and want, I want to advise them, try to avoid All right. you know, being catched by the police. Some more some uh, thoughts from listeners. All right, Tony says, who is that idiot Patrick Nip? A country cannot love. Get him on the programme for some sport. Shooting us like fools is not the answer. Closer to the truth is this is... Is the generation this is the generation that truly betrayed Hong Kong? They gave away whatever autonomy Hong Kong ever had. That comes uh, from Tony. Uh, uh, Drake says, uh, back, and I think this is a reference to Holok Sang. Back chat listeners can tell that only brainless people believe that disruptions force the Beijing government to do this and that. What about the ambition of individual CEs to force through legislation which has no urgency, which sparked the so-called unrest? Blame the victim. All very lame rhetoric from a professor. Oh, my God. Uh, Drake also says on the survey, interesting, where is DPRK? On the Danish poll, must be a full democracy. Uh, Bruce says, what about human rights uh, in China for your guests? We were talking about politics mostly. Richard says, China not totalitarian, not in it for their own gain. What planet is he on? Give me one of those professorships, please. Cheapest chips must be. That comes from Richard. S says, Mr Tedros of WHO should at best resign for misleading the world in the initial stages of COVID-19. He would actually make a good pastor, as he's always preaching to the converted. Uh, Jay says, this was probably all planned in CY Lung's era when he wouldn't listen to the public public peaceful protest and the government knew all along ultimately this would be the outcome even now four years later carrie doesn't listen to the people we had a successful hong kong until the government screwed it up paul says dear back chat in the past few weeks i've been impressed how you've managed to find each day a guest who actually believes that the new unknown national security laws are a good thing a very admirable feat indeed you guys are amazing here's to the rather unclear future from uh, paul uh, Mike says, ask India and ask an answer why China is threatening them. Ask the Philippines the same, ask Tibet the same, ask Vietnam the same, ask Taiwan. Your Professor Ho is, um, and there's an adjective there, which I'm not going to repeat, but uh, he's in disagreement uh, with uh, with Ho Lok Seng. Uh, Johnny Ma, good morning to you. Good morning. Um, we've got some idea now of the shape of the national security legislation. How do you think it is going to affect the practice of law in, in Hong Kong? Uh, the Bar Association has published a number of statements in the past few weeks um, over this national security law, albeit that we asked to have a slight of a draft, but uh, we have never been provided with any draft. And up to today, we, we haven't seen the contents. So we, we were just uh, working on, on any explanations or, or some rumors <laughs> which is uh, floating around uh, in the community. Now, well, um, one, one, the first, one of the first uh, concerns that the Bar Association can see 
is uh, the, 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 the suggestion that uh, the chief executive will designate judges or a panel of judges to hear this uh, type of cases under the new law. Uh, we, we see this as, uh, uh, as giving rise to at least a perception of interference over the judiciary from the executive branch headed by the chief executive. Um, that is not to mention uh, that under the new law, it is proposed that the chief executive would also sit in uh, the National Security uh, Commission or Committee, um, uh, in, in which uh, there will also be a consultant uh, uh, assigned from, from, from the, the PRC. Um, well, we, we've heard uh, suggestions or comments uh, saying that this is not going to affect judicial independence because uh, we've got confidence and faith in our judges. Uh, who will try the case independently, free from interference uh, when hearing that particular case. Um, um, so be it. Uh, that, that is a, maybe a fact, but uh, what, what matters more is also the appearance of independence. And, and also, uh, the judiciary as an institution, uh, uh, we see it should also be free from interference from the executive branch. Um, I'll put it slightly different. But the executive branch appoints the judges. Uh, Holden Chow in a letter to Hong Kong this week was, was pointing out that uh, Article 88 of the Basic Law stipulates that the judges are ultimately appointed by the chief executive and has the right in accordance with the Basic Law to appoint judges with relevant experience to hear national security cases. That's appropriate and complies with the Basic Law. Um, as you say, lists of judges are already assigned to sit on some tribunals. Uh, yeah. uh, and the chief executive appointed judges to preside over the inquiry, and no one complained then about any sort of intervention in the judiciary. Uh, I have to say that, that there's a little bit cross-purpose because uh, the act of appointment is caused by the chief executive that's provided for under Article 88 of basic law. But uh, the more important part of the Article 88 of basic law is that uh, such an appointment will have to be done on the recommendation of an independent commission composed of local judges, persons from the legal profession, and eminent persons from other six sectors. And we've got this uh, Judicial um, Officers Recommendation Ordinance, which uh, sets out uh, the commission and the composition of the commission. And with uh, the schedule of, the, of the, that, that particular ordinance, it sets out not only judges in general uh, who have to be uh, appointed by the chief executive upon the recommendation of the commission. Whenever, whenever the chief executive were to uh, fill any vacancy in any particular post, even including such as, for instance, uh, the president of the Lands Tribunal, um, it would still have to uh, be acted upon the recommendation of the commission. So, so the more important point about the appointment is not so much about the, the, the formal act of appointment by the chief executive, but that it has to be done uh, upon the recommendation of an independent commission, which actually is a very important uh, foundation pillar to safeguard judiciary uh, independence in Hong Kong. So... Uh, this is the first, this is one of the concerns. Um, and the second concern uh, is uh, whether or not there will be jury trial. Um, now, now, I mean, basically every trial in, in the court that takes place in the court of first instance shall be fine before a judge and jury. So, so long as the case is uh, serious enough uh, to, to warrant a, an offense to be trial for indictment, and that, that trial will take place uh, in the high court with a jury. And uh, Article 86 of the Basic Law also uh, enshrines the principle of trial by jury, previously practiced in Hong Kong, uh, shall be maintained. Now, uh, in recent days, uh, there are some uh, commentators 
suggesting that, uh, well, may, there may be some cases under the new law where uh, trials should not take place with a jury. Uh, uh, for instance, there may be cases involving uh, state secret uh, that, that may be against uh, state interest for uh, a trial to take place with a jury. This, again, causes uh, concern. Uh, yeah. Firstly, um, uh, as the law allows stands, as, uh, unless the trial is not taking take place in, in the High Court, say, for instance, I mean, if, if you prosecute the accused in the district court uh, with a maximum uh, penalty uh, kept at seven years imprisonment, then, and of course, I mean, he, that, that accused will not have a trial by jury because there's no jury trial in district court. But if, if you, you are now setting a life imprisonment, possibly a life imprisonment for the most serious offense under the new law, um, that offense, if prosecuted, should take place in the high court. And under the existing law, that trial would have to be a trial with jury. Um, even, even, state, even if uh, that particular case, uh, sensitive state secret, uh, is said to be involved, um, that is in itself it should not be a, a, in principled objection to dispense uh, completely with a jury trial. Uh, the court or the judge in that particular case uh, may be able to deploy uh, adequate measures to balance state interests on the one hand against the individual's rights on the other hand, where his liberty is at stake. Um, and, and it is also... Uh, uh, okay. Mr. Ma, uh, yeah. um, you know, that there's also the scenario that um, some cases uh, would, uh, you know, uh, which Beijing could assert jurisdiction over national security cases in Hong Kong. Mm. Uh, so... So, you know, when the case is being tried in the mainland China, um, then, you know, the, the whole jurisdiction will be very different. Uh, what, what sort of concern would you have on these scenarios? Uh, the first difficulty in commenting on this is that uh, up to this moment, we have not been told uh, the exact contents of the provisions which uh, are set to spell out the specified cases. Uh, under which uh, any, any such case would then be uh, tried in the PRC. Um, some, some, some observations uh, that can be made uh, at this stage is that who is going to decide uh, any particular case falls within or outside the specified cases category? Is it uh, by the Secretary for Justice? Uh, is it by the Chief Executive uh, working together with uh, the, the National Security Commission and that is a or, uh, or I think, Mr. Ma, I'm just, yeah. I'm just kind of thinking of. I mean, you know, you have these issues which you which you've raised. Uh, things like, you know, the, when you have a jury trial, and you know, in most cases in in Hong Kong, you wouldn't have a you wouldn't have uh, you would have a jury trial. Uh, and then there's the question of the appointment of the judges. And yes, it is done in some cases for tribunals and so on. So the minimum sentences. Yes, there are cases where there are minimum sentences uh, and so on. And yes, there are kinds of special courts and and so on. I mean, all, all we're learning is that is that the law is kind of flexible. There are special arrangements for special circumstances. And surely national security law, as you'd expect everywhere in the world, um, there are a number of special uh, arrangements. There is a there is a kind of uh, questions of security, as I say, for um, the secrecy requirements uh, and things like this. So w w why should you be acting all outraged and surprised that there are special arrangements? Because this is a special kind of law and it is everywhere else in the world. It's a special it's a special kind of law and there are special kind of laws anyway. Uh, at this juncture, it may be 
um, it'd be helpful if I can quote um, from uh, the Berlin Declaration, that uh, the, the International Commission of Jurists Declaration on Upholding Human Rights and the Rule of Law in Combating Terrorism. I mean, in the context of terrorism, it is stated as follows. That even in adopting measures aimed at suppressing acts of terrorism, states must adhere strictly to the rule of law, including the core principles of criminal and international law and the specific standards and obligations of international human rights law, refugee law, and where applicable, humanitarian law. These principles, standards, and obligations define the boundaries of permissible and legitimate state action against terrorism. The odious nature of terrorist acts cannot serve as a basis or pretext for states to disregard their international obligations, in particular in the protection of fundamental human rights. So the, the point here is, is that I wish to make is, yes, security, national security is uh, an important topic that uh, every country uh, has a legitimate uh, interest to safeguard by appropriate measures. But uh, it is still important to balance state interests against individuals' rights. And whenever a state tries to put up some measures um, by law, to uh, safeguard national security, it still has to bear in mind uh, protection of fundamental human rights. And uh, the right to have a jury trial in the high court, the right to um, uh, be informed of the case and, and to be made available all information and materials uh, which may either uh, advance uh, an accused defense or damage the prosecution's case um, so that he can defend um, uh, against any charge laid against him before the tribunal, which is independent and impartial, free from interference. These are all fundamental human rights, uh, which is the right to a fair trial. Okay. Uh, Kwok Kwok, are you there? Dr Kwok? Okay, okay, a couple of emails directly addressed to you. Uh, first of all, this Good. is this is from uh, Andrew F. And he's put this in quotation marks. The implication is that these things that you have said, quote, on the whole, the protesters are very peaceful. Quote, people have been killed by police. Quote, the violence was started by the police, unquote. All these statements by Kwok Kwok are demonstrably false. Total BS. Enormous amounts of violence and destruction by protesters was carried out every week all through the latter half of last year. No one has been killed by the police. Names of those killed by the police, please, Dr. Kwok, no more conspiracy theories. The violence started when the protesters stormed and vandalised Legco, and then a small group of radicals started their petrol bombing campaign. Kwok Kwok is totally full of it, uh, says uh, Andrew F. Uh, do you want to respond? Yeah, I, I think... Um I, can't, I don't want to go into the details because it will be very difficult to take out every event, every march, every uh, protest last year. But it will be suffice to say that, um, you know, if you compare the amount of force uh, of the police with the ordinary protesters, I was seeing a lot of these peaceful march. And of course, there are some people, I don't know who they're coming, uh, representing for, there are some people actually doing a lot of violence. But actually, we are seeing a lot of cover-up cover from the police. They was believed to be take part in some of this, uh, you know, very violent behavior on the street. So, you know, with a lot of, you know, different parties, different power working in Hong Kong, it will be very, very difficult to predict who is behind those very violent behavior on the street. But I can say I was in the 1 million and 2 million uh, walk in Hong Kong. 99% of those coming out uh, on the street, they're actually very 
peaceful. They wanted to make sure that the government is listening to their voice and make sure that this extradition amendment bill can be withdrawn as soon as possible. And that was, you know, the, the very good time that the government or Kerry Lam can do their very best of withdrawing the bills and, you know, talk to the people and trying to address the wood issue. But instead of doing so, they're using a lot of a lot of more and more escalating forces by the government. They're buying more trucks, buying more water cannon, buying more instrument weapons from overseas, trying to have more policemen. Should that be helping in Hong Kong at all? I don't think so. You know, we are very fine. Most of people in Hong Kong are very peaceful. They wanted to, you know, live their happy, normal life in Hong Kong. That was before the extradition bills. But they couldn't. They, they wasn't the one who started the fire. It was right. the government or the Carrie Lam started the fire. Why right. are we are, you well, know, being accused? Okay, another, another comment. This is from Sam, who says, Kwok Kwok is part of the problem in Hong Kong. As such, Hong Kong is faced with a security law to be introduced. Now we've got to live with Kwok, Dennis, Joshua's and security law him. Hope it does not have the draconian aspect of the British Prevention of Terrorism Act. As for his one fine day hoping for democracy, should have been introduced by the colonial master prior to 97, and Martin Stroke Emily and the old guard should have requested then. Love Hong Kong or leave Hong Kong, protesters. You have killed the goose that laid the golden egg. It appears the troublemakers are seeking greener pastures with BNOs, uh, but with COVID, must be in two minds. That comes uh, from Sam. Uh, OK, Jay says, can anyone give me a figure on how many terrorists and criminals each year Hong Kong actually has? Because we don't tend to hear about it on the news. And apparently we're going to have a lot of security bureaus coming over the border. Where are all these people coming out of the woodwork? Uh, Alan says, Hugh, in what I hope was his role as devil's advocate, said protesters crossed the line by making bombs, waving the wrong flags, etc. So they caused the security bill and all the rest of the repression. No, that is collective punishment. 99.99% of protesters did none of these things. All the protests were 100% peaceful until the police started gassing and beating and then allowing Junius's triads to beat up protesters. Beijing has only, over the last 22 years of complete peace, shown it will take away more and more. Now, when people finally fight back, aha, that proves you did not deserve democracy. That comes uh, from uh, Alan. Uh, Mike says, don't forget Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, the American way to afford human rights and uh, security laws. And James says, I came to Hong Kong as a young journalist 25 years ago and there was a cautious optimism this day 23 years ago ahead of the handover. I'm still here. Now my local friends who have passive democratic aspirations for their home are scared and many are serious about leaving. This law won't change the city in a day, but like the salting of Carthage, it will snuff out the spirit of this unique place. That comes from James. Thank you very much indeed for all your emails. Thank you to Dr Kwok Kaki, Civic Party Legislator Johnny Ma, Council Member at the Hong Kong Bar Association. Thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us uh, today. Uh, and uh, Andrew F. says uh, more Bowen versus Kim. Can't get enough of this squabble top-class radio. If this carries on much longer, you'll need a guest who specialises in Bowen versus Kim affairs. Thank you very much indeed for, for all your comments. Uh, enjoy uh, July the 1st tomorrow. Uh, Ada, thank you very much indeed. We'll be back uh, on Thursday at uh, 8.30. Here's the weather now before we go. Mainly fine and very hot with some isolated showers. Maximum temperature about 33 degrees. The outlook a few showers in the next few days. And then sunny intervals around tomorrow. The very hot weather warning is now in place. 30 Celsius and the relative humidity, 75%. To prevent the spread of COVID-19, try flexible working hours and staggered meal breaks. 
Wear a mask on public transport. Avoid crowded lifts. Try not to hold large meetings and reduce face-to-face -face contact with colleagues. Avoid meal gatherings. Stay away from crowds after work. Wash hands frequently and keep the workplace clean. If you feel unwell, stay away from work and see your doctor. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. 9.33, the news now with Samantha Butler. The National People's Congress Standing Committee has unanimously approved the national security law for Hong Kong, but there's still no official publication of the details. All 162 committee members voted for the law. The Civil Human Rights Front says it's not optimistic it can overturn a police ban on its annual July the 1st march. The rally attracts many anti-government protesters. An appeal board will make a decision tonight. And the United States has begun ending Hong Kong's special status and halted sensitive defense exports in response to China's imposition of a new security law affecting Hong Kong. The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said Washington didn't want to risk controlling I controlled items falling into the hands of the Chinese army. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, great interpreter of Beethoven. And by oh so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. The side of what's happening behind the lift. Good morning. Inter interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. And welcome to Tuesday. I'm Phil Whelan. This is The Morning Brew. Great to be back with you. We're doing it until one o'clock. I had two emergency cancellations yesterday, but pick up the pieces this morning. We will be talking about COVID-inspired music with top Belgian composer and saxophone player Joachim Badenhorst. Absolute star, this guy. He's been stuck in Japan with family for the past few months, and he's had plenty of time to create and produce his new album, Japanese Corona. 10.30 plus, Jared Watt with me, all things Aussie, some more top Aussie music as well. Then, Dr. Merrin Pierce, live from, we'll see, undoubtedly on Facebook Live vids, with this week's Eco Report. After 11.30, James Ross is back with part two of Music of My Life, his mini-series. He's talking with Clark Datchler from Johnny Hates Jazz, and Clark's going to be picking out some of his most favourite songs every day this week. Then after 12, Maurice Misalowski, who's in St Kilda in Melbourne,